Welcome to the Convergence Church Podcast. Our vision at Convergence is to encounter Jesus and transform cities with His power and His love. If you'd like more information about Convergence and how to plug in, you can visit convergencechurch.com. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy this message. Before I get started, Marcy has this really good word that flows with what I... Yes. Marcy, share your word. I'm just going to do a quick prophet this is that moment because what happened this morning wasn't just a great worship moment. So I feel like we need to really let it soak in that God is actually doing something. It wasn't just a great moment. It is a move of God. And I just said to Paige a couple of weeks ago, I feel like God wants to write songs for what he wants to do in the season. And that really happened. Some of those songs were already written, but a lot of it wasn't. And the whole flow of it was God doing what he wants to do in this season. And even Wesley, he said the same thing that David Fish said two weeks ago when he preached here. Wesley was in the Amazon, didn't even hear it, but the whole story of Dagon and idols and it's, I felt like God was consecrating during the worship, consecrating our hearts, our lives, our homes, our marriages, our families, our church, our city. And I want to encourage you, Aaron and Holly can correct me, but go to YouTube and, and find this worship set after tomorrow and listen to it over and over and over again because I feel like it's a move of God, not just a great worship moment. Yeah. Woo! That is good. Marcy, thank you so much. I, I'm, I really think I will take this afterward, though. But Yeah, she's right. This is a move of God, and he has been moving. I'm, like, still shaking. I was like trying to sit down and my legs were wobbly. So Lord, we just thank you. (laughs) You're so worthy of being exalted. Always. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that your name really is above all other names. Name above circumstances, trials, tribulations, everything. It's, It's your name that reigns above it all. Thank you, Jesus. And so I just surrender yet again to your your beautiful and perfect will today, in Jesus' name. I, I love what Marcy is saying. I had already meant to tie into that I, what I'm doing today, and my message is really just building on what we're doing right now as a house, and just paying attention to how God's moving. If you were here about three weeks ago, Steve did an incredible um, message on faith, and just sharing personally from his walk of faith, and um, that's another message. If you didn't hear that, please go and listen to that. It was such a stirring and a renewal of faith that time. And, and yeah, David, the week after with idols falling and the, the magnitude of what his presence does in our lives, right? And then last week, Wesley, how many of you were here last week and heard Wesley's message? We have a lot of new people. That's great. Um, but he was sharing from his recent trip from the Amazon, from, from being in Brazil, and what the leaders are doing there, which is absolutely incredible. And it was such a call, um, a renewal of our callings, a renewal of commissioning of what God has specifically designed for you to do. And I think it's all together. And even today, when, when Marcy's saying this wasn't just a moment, it was a, 
a worship moment, all worship moments are good. I, Marcy, of course, agrees with that. Consecration moment. God consecrates us unto something. It's not unto the corner. It's unto a purpose. And so he's renewing faith. He's renewing hope. He's just renewing the fact that we don't even have to strive against idols. We just worship him and they fall, right? And that's, that's actually renewing you in a place of rest where there's been striving. And then the and then the fact that it's not my name or your name that's above every name, it's his name. And again, we're, it's a place of surrender to his name, not our name. And, and so today I want to be practical. I'm all, I feel like I'm always practical. It's, I'm such a mom, y'all. I'm such a mom. Um, what does that mean? What does that mean, that lofty word to live out my call? What does that mean, that commissioned, you know? What, what does that actually mean? And... And, and really the reason why, like, Wesley's message last week and even those words right now kind of um, stir something deeply in our hearts is because we, as, as children, as, as men and women, there's this heart cry in us always, who am I and what am I here for? It, it is the cry that only Christ can answer. Who am I? What am I here for? Right? And... Today, I wasn't going to say this. Seth Church said, I hope you're talking about the name. My whole message is not about his name. It is under his name. It's unto his name, right? But during worship, I, I just kept hearing the prayer he taught us to pray. I know it's called the Lord's Prayer, but he taught us to pray this prayer, right? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And just right there, he shifted the mindset of how, how we pray. He's teaching us how to pray. In who am I? I'm a child that has a father. I have a father. <laughs> and in that moment then, he doesn't pass the father by. Hallowed be your name. Holy, set apart. The reverential awe of your name above all circumstances in my life. I'm a child who has a father. Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. You're a king with a kingdom, right? Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And I want to pause there because he told me to pause there. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I have prayed that prayer since I was a little kid. And have you ever had a moment when you said those, that line, let your will be done, and you're like, eh, maybe. Do I want your will to be done? Have, I mean... Am I the only one that has wondered if his will is going to be as good as my will? I mean, I know what I want to do. I got some good ideas and good thoughts and good plans. I love a good plan, y'all. Let your will be done in the place that I have been given so much free will. But I still pray it. But I remember years ago, the Lord took me to a deep place of just Coming back to, if I'm a good father, what do you believe about me as a father, Nikki? What do you believe about me as a shepherd? And therefore, what do you believe about my will? That's why we're hallowing his name, because what, it's not what you believe about him that affects my life. It's what I believe about him that affects my life. It's the name that I actually believe in that will affect my life. It's the name that I hold sacred and treasure in my heart deeply and reverentially that will impact how I live. 
This is not a, a, a fun TikTok video or an Instagram reel that will impact me. It is what I have hallowed in my heart. So if I believe truly that you're a good father and that you know everything, then surely you do have a good will for my life. And I remember, I remember when I really surrendered to the reality. And when I say that, I no longer feel the tension inside of me about his will because the name behind that will is the most beautiful name ever. And his actions are attached to his name. And so there's nothing in his nature that is bad or that is evil. Now, we get jaded about his will because things didn't turn out the way we thought they should or prayers and disappointments. And that's where he, as, as the healer, comes in to heal us when we don't understand. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. It's why I say this all the time. When I don't get it, I go back to the cross because the cross makes sense to me. When I, don't, when I don't understand something, it cost him his life for me. And it puts everything in perspective. Savior, Redeemer. Jesus knew this so well. He knew that he was living his life on earth according to those principles that I just discussed. Because Jesus isn't just a good model. He is the model of how to pattern our lives. Period. And if anyone knew who he was and who his father was, it was Jesus, right? From the very beginning of his ministry, he didn't start assignments. He didn't start even his ministry without the defining moment of the declaration, you are my son. He walked this earth as a dearly beloved son with a father that he loved and that he was profoundly connected with. And so his assignments, he was... He didn't just teach us to pray it. He lived the prayer, let your will be done, Father, right? Because Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only speak what I hear the Father saying. Do you realize the level of surrender, the level of trust, the level of yieldedness that Jesus is modeling for us is is like no other? Because he's fully God and he's fully man. And so as fully God, he could have said, my, my will, I'm going to do my thing. But he didn't. The yieldedness, the surrender of Jesus. And he prayed that prayer. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was wrestling? And by the way, like what Steve taught on three weeks ago, wrestling with God isn't sin. <laughs> Jesus is in there processing with his father this moment right before the crucifixion. And in the end, though, he did what he had done his entire life. He yielded. He surrendered. Not my will, but yours be done. It's incredible. That's the, that's the call. That's the trust, the yieldedness of following after a very good father. I, I had a dream. This was not in my notes, but I, I, I yielded. I just was like, Lord, I, I, you can ask my family. I spent a lot of time on prepping this sermon. And Steve Fish helped me. And Steve, I'm going to use those slides. He helped me with slides. <laughs> I am good, though. <laughs> um, I had a dream uh, years ago, and Jesus was in the dream. Now, by the way, I'm the, I'm 
the prophetic director here, and we test everything that we see, whether it's in a dream or a word. We believe in, in 1 Thessalonians when it says don't despise prophecy, but we test everything. We hold on to what is good, and we let go of what's bad. And so even in a dream when I see Jesus, I just want you to know it has to fit Scripture because I'm not starting any other religion Scripture is so nice and helpful for me because not only is it God-breathed and it's the inerrant word of God, but it's in black and white, you know? It's really clear when I need something to be super clear. Um, but in this case, this dream checked out because Jesus, it was, it was the real Jesus here. And Jesus um, stood before me and he said something. He said, did you know I fulfilled the greatest commandment, Nikki? And you know the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And remember when Jesus said the words that he didn't come to abolish law, but he came to fulfill it? You know, anything he asked us to do, he did himself. <laughs> and I was like, I, in the dream, and maybe you guys already knew this, it took Jesus appearing to me in a dream to explain things to me. Um, and I was like, wow, you, you did. He was like, yeah, I loved my father with all my heart and all my soul and with all my strength and with all my mind, I loved my father. And I was, I was just undone with this reality. And, I, and then he looked at me and smiled. And he said, do you want me to tell you one thing about my father that I loved? And he didn't say this, but it was implied that God is, in, the father is infinite. There's infinite things that are beautiful and amazing and powerful and wonderful it's why we will worship him for all eternity he is the eternal god but do you want to just know one thing that i loved about about my father and i was like yeah tell me what's one thing you loved and he said i loved his will i loved his will and he opened up his hand and he and it was this light like colors you know like in a prism and he was like because my father's will was so perfect, no darkness in it. He, like, the Father's will was the most beautiful thing like I ever saw. And then he looked me in my eyes, Jesus did, and he said, and I loved it above my own. The consecration, the movement of heaven is to love him above we love ourselves. And it's in the specific manner, though, in which he designed you, in which he created you. I think it's just so easy for us. It's easy. It has in times past been easy for me to compare my life or to compare my call, compare the great commission, how I live my life, according to someone else's who's looking kind of cool at the time. But you are made in the image of God. And his will, distinct will for your life is so good. And that's what we're giving ourselves today. And we're following after this model that Jesus modeled perfectly, that he knew his identity. He knew his father was his source. Jesus knew why he came. He knew his purpose, right? The, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus knew his mandate to heal the world. And very practically right now, and this is where I want to get practical about the will of the Father. So that was the will of the Father, right? That Jesus had yielded to. 
in the day-to-day life of Jesus as a human on planet earth, did he go to every single nation on the planet? No, he didn't. And the reason is, is that he actually understood boundaries and times and seasons that were appointed to him by the will of the Father. So not only did he know that the will of the Father was that he was going to save the whole world, Jesus was not trying to accomplish the will by human means or human definitions or human expectations. He did it according to the Father's will and way. That's why Satan missed it. I think that's why he's like, oh my gosh, Jesus is about to die and he didn't do anything. He didn't save the whole world. Do you see that? Because he's judging it based on pride and not according to a surrendered will, surrenderedness to the Father's will. That through the gateway of death, through the surrendered moment to the Father's will and the Father's understanding, the whole world was about to be saved on a cross. And the death would not do him in. But Jesus did not accomplish that by human means. He had no FOMO. He had no fear of missing out. And one of the things we're being delivered with right now, oh, I feel it right now, is the fear of missing out. You will not miss out if you live according to the will of the Father. It is a good will. And if you're running, so many of us are running ragged, trying to accomplish things that were never yours to accomplish and never yours to do. And you're like, but he told me to do this. How did he tell you to do that? He's such a good father. He's such a good shepherd. He not only calls us to something, he actually has a way and a manner in which he accomplished it. So Jesus is modeling that in his earthly ministry. He's, I'm sure he thought about Psalm 16, right? Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. The boundary lines, the, the, the property, the field, the area in which Jesus moved while he was on earth were determined by his father. And he lived within those lines. <laughs> Surrendered. How much more so for us? In Matthew 15... I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but a Canaanite woman comes to him and she wants him to help her daughter. And Jesus says to her something that looks really insensitive. He he says, I'm only called to the lost sheep of Israel. Now remember, he knows he's called to to save the world, but he's doing according to the Father's will. But he's also understanding that in this finite human experience, there's finite time, finite places Find that it's just, he's living, he chose to live within the confines of our limitations. But he was able to accomplish eternal things outside of those confines by living surrendered. Isn't that just so backwards? This is why he says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. What he's trying to get us to do is stop trying to figure it all out. Surrender. Surrender. Now the woman stayed in there with him, wasn't offended, and he was so moved by faith that he did release healing. I want to I say to you, he was called to the lost sheep of Israel. If you study the Gospels, the first four books, you'll see where he primarily interacted with his disciples, with people, 
he was fulfilling the assignment of the father to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, did he heal the Canaanite woman? Talk to a centurion soldier who was a Roman, the Samaritan woman. Yes, absolutely. And he's modeling to his apostles, his disciples, his value, his love for all people. But he, but he did not live under a pressure of trying to accomplish the mission that he was commissioned by his father to do according to human understanding. And it's vitally important for you and for me to understand that. The apostles got it. They truly did. So now Jesus has modeled this beautiful, beautiful life of surrender to the Father, only doing what the Father does, speaking what the Father says, going where the Father says to go, living that life of surrender, and yet obviously saving the whole world through the cross, and now he's ascended. And he tells the disciples this. Wesley said it last week, right? Matthew 28. All authority, Jesus says, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. It's all mine. I got it back. Now you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I would like to ask you again, did the disciples go to every single nation on the planet? So were they in disobedience to the commission? No, because they understood, the, or they, at least they maybe had some understanding. I mean, honestly, I'm teaching on this, and there's this, this, there's this fear of God in me that I don't even understand everything, right? That God is so magnificent in his wisdom. But what they had been trained and literally discipled under was, Jesus just saved the whole world. We know he did. But he modeled to us surrender to the Father. That's probably what we should do too. And we can trust that the Father's assignment, the Father's commands to us, the Father's direction to us is enough to fulfill the commission. That I'm doing my part, right? In my sphere or, or area of influence. And actually, chapter 17 it says that he alone ordains the times and places we live i love this passage on our very first date craig quoted almost all of this to me it was what made me fall in love with him my husband yeah but anyway we he, we had just to give you background he was not trying to be hyper spiritual we were just talking about different things in the bible that we loved and he said so what's a favorite verse of yours and i quoted you know i don't know it's probably john 3:16. And I was like, what about you? And he just so poetically pulls out Acts chapter 17 and quotes all of it. And I'm like, marry me now. No. Um, <laughs> I know, I love you, baby, too. <laughs> the God who made the world. This is Paul, who's now naming the unknown God to people who don't know the name of God. This is the God who made the world and everything in it. He's the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God in his infinite wisdom who has given breath and life to you, ordained, appointed this time and season that you are living in. And he marked out a boundary, a land, a field. 
This concept is talked about over and over in the epistles that he entrusted to you. That's your call. That's your assignment. It's not my field. It's your field. It's not my land. It's your land. And now we're all thinking about that song in our head now. (laughs) That's not how I saw that going in that moment. Paul will write later, 2 Corinthians 10.13, we will not boast about things done outside of our area of authority. We will only boast about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. In one verse, I didn't write the reference to it. He says, I'm not an apostle to everyone. Paul said that. I'm not an apostle to everyone, but I'm an apostle to you. Y'all, this is phenomenal. And what I want you, right now, there's, there's a couple things I want landing on you right now. One, I want the pressure of the demonic realm that has had you on a hamster wheel to be broken now in Jesus' name. I want it, just let it fall. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then what does he say? Take my yoke upon you, my call, my Work with me under what I give to you, not all this other stuff. And then the the final thing is the awe and wonder of how he made you. That it be restored to your life. That FOMO is like, what's the big deal with that? I'm so in awe that the maker of heaven and earth created me in this way, designated the times and places I will live because his will for me is so perfect and so beautiful and his work towards me is magnificent. That's not self-help. That's not some weird guru stuff. That is the joy of surrender to Jesus Christ. And it's what we were made for. So we begin to see this, y'all, in the letter. So the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels are all the historical account. Wow, y'all, just how Jesus lived his life. We're not comparing ourselves to each other. We shouldn't be anyway. We should be comparing ourselves to him. He's the model. And his gives us freedom when we get in there with him about that. And then there's Acts, the historical record of the early church. And then after Acts, the rest of the books of the New Testament are letters. And it's easy to forget that sometimes. These are actual letters that the apostles were writing to the places they were assigned to. That's, it's just that simple. And, and I, I, I'm so funny. I, uh, I love the greetings of every letter. I mean, have y'all written a letter or email? Dear so-and-so, you know, that opening greeting. So there's a greeting in every single letter. I have them all written out. And there's a few key markers that I think would be very helpful for us, this pattern that the, uh, that the apostles demonstrated because of the model that Jesus gave. So in, all, in every letter, there's a form of this that happens in the very beginning. Chapter 1, verse 1, this is a letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Right there, I know who I am. Now this is not pride, because he could have boasted in his fleshy credentials, right? He was the Pharisee among Pharisees. He has all these credentials. No, he's boasting in what Christ has done. I consider all things lost for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And you will only know, like, honestly, if you don't honor the work of God in you, you don't really honor him. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. It's settled. It's done. It's not up for negotiation. Who is his assignment? Right here in this particular letter, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he names, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I don't, I don't believe in formulas, but I do believe in the pattern set by heaven. And Paul is merely demonstrating, as do the other apostles, the pattern that Christ set for us. I know who I am in Christ. I know the name of my Father, and I've hallowed it. And I know what he's asked me to do. And then he writes, he tends to his field. He writes a great letter that I'm not going to teach on today. Because all I'm going to teach on is greetings. We're just going to be elevated in our greetings from now on, right? But this wasn't the only assignment that he had. In 1 Timothy, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. Again, wow, owning. This is who, because the radical transformation of, of Paul was so real. And praise God, he owned it. He didn't just pass it by. Naming who God is. Now, this is a really bold, I like it, strong intro who is this letter going to? To one person, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Not to a whole body, not to a whole nation, to one person. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. And other letters, if you want to have fun like I did, you can go and look at all the greetings. It's so cool. Yes, there's churches, there's regions, there were provinces, areas of assignment that these apostles were called to. But there's also just the one, just the Timothy. There was also to the lady and her children, the chosen lady and her children. Another one, and, and I believe it was in Philemon. It was Philemon, a girl. I mean, this is just amazing, guys, and a soldier. Three people. And yet it was necessary for the, him to own fully who he was in Christ, who Christ was, in order to accomplish the assignment to the one. Now we, we, know, the, we know the story, we know the end of the story of that these letters were God-breathed. And in 2 Timothy 3.16 it says, all scripture is God-breathed. So these letters were breathed by God. They're now the New Testament, and they're applicable to all of us. And what's also applicable to us is how we go about serving God in our callings and our assignments. And the value that we don't measure it by the amount of people that we're called to, if it's just the one or the 50, but that we measure it according to the beauty of Jesus and, and how powerful he is in our lives working in us. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendations to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You are the letter. You're the letter. And what if we shifted our thoughts into diminishing our calls or who we have been made in Christ, and we start living every day, just today, 
with our area, our place, our authority of influence, wherever that may be, in work, in business, with your family, with this type of mindset, it would shift everything. So maybe we could write it like this. I'm going to go back here. I'm going to use Ephesians as a grid for this. I, where are the, yes. I, Nikki, daughter called by God to live a life worthy of him. I am writing to you today, God's holy people in the house of Kamali, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. Yeah. Now, do you see what shifted just there? And, and you know, I appreciate, I appreciate the shouts, honestly. But do you see where it shifts from? What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a mom. I am, and I'm really, I actually don't struggle with this. But it, it can be easy, you know, oh, I'm a mom. Into I, Nikki, called, set apart, chosen by God, called to the house of Kamali, to these chosen people that I that I'm now giving my life to because they are my land. They're my place of authority, my first place of authority. I'm called to my husband. And that is just as important. Writing to Timothy, my son, is just as important as when I preach to all of you. And yes, I know I have an assignment here as a leader in this house to the people here and even to this region. But I don't have to, I don't measure it. I don't forsake the holiness of assignments just so that I can feel something outside of Christ because it ends. It's short-lived. It's why Paul said, I've learned to be content in all circumstances, whether I have plenty or whether I have little. Right? Um, I love this passage. I love to quote it all the time. 2 Corinthians 9.10. Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for his food, may he multiply and increase your harvest of righteousness. And I've quoted that since I, I was a teenager. I love it. I love this sense of connection to the provision that when I'm working, right? Because we, we love these big words like harvest. The harvest is here. I like that big word too, but what does that mean? That means someone took time to cast a seed, like Paul said. Someone took time to water it, and Holy Spirit miraculously caused growth. That's harvest, is growth. Jesus is not measuring us for perfection. He's not, he hasn't called us to live um, in, a, in a weird way, but he has called us to grow and to cause growth around us. Why is growth so important to Jesus? Is he trying to prove something? No, he knows only living things grow. You weren't just at one point bad and he turned you good. You were dead and he made you alive. He resurrected you. You're alive now. Pre-Christ, you couldn't grow and bear fruit, fruit that would remain, eternal fruit. But being alive, it is a sign that I'm alive. And only people who despise him or despise themselves or despise their circumstances in their area, they will not cast seed. They won't sow into their fields. And I'm, some of you are like, I don't despise God. If you despise yourself, you despise him. And this is not about self-love. This is not about worship. This is about the fear of the Lord and acknowledging you were made in his image. You look like him. You have your dad's smile. 
You have your dad's walk. You have the imprint of your father. And yielding to that and yielding to his goodness is true love, is, is loving him with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. Now I know some of you we're in these fields, we're in these places, and there's like, sometimes there's a tug though, but Nikki, I, you're right, I do love my family. I love my, I love my spouse, or I love this area of work, but I, I feel like there might be other fields he's called me to in addition to that. And to that I would say, then process that with the Lord and process that with others. But let's remove ourselves from a sense of pressure and comparison and come back to the simplicity of devotion to Christ and surrender to him that where the Father leads, that's where I go. And where the Father, what the Father gives me, that's what I tend to. And we understand also when we're tending fields that there's times and seasons to those fields. It's not always time for harvest, y'all. And I know we don't understand seasons because we live in Texas. So I just, the spirit of wisdom and revelation come upon you right now. I understand you're just like, Nikki, it's hot and then kind of cold, kind of something. But there really are four seasons, guys. There are, there are different seasons. And the other reason why we sometimes are disconnected from seasons is because we can go to the store and buy strawberries year-round. We can eat fruit from a living thing year-round. But let me tell you something. That's not because it was your season to have strawberries. That's because it was someone else's season. And, and as a result, in our industrialized culture, we've lost sight with some of these rhythms of life that are holy unto the Lord. Even if a Texas farmer wanted to produce strawberries year-round, he couldn't. So what is he supposed to do? Compare himself to the other culture that does, is in the right season for that? Or does he yield himself that the proper times and seasons for his lands and his time are good and appointed by God and fruit will come if you tend to it? In Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says there's a time to born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. If you, if you read it, you see the contrast here. And everything in season with Christ is unto him and it's good. Some of you are healing right now. Some of you are in a place where you're like, I'm not, I'm not checking out. But I am going to cast my seeds in the field of healing. And I'm going to let the Father restore me or heal me. Some of you place are in incredible growth. And things are moving and things are shaking. Some of you are in a, play, in a place of, 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 of working in, in different areas. And it's not all the same because not only do we have different fields and different assignments, but we're all in different times and seasons. And you only know what your time and season is in your field if you're connected to the Father. Jesus was so confident about his times and season, he wasn't afraid to die. He knew he was going to die, but my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. I have a time. There's an appointed time for that. It is not today. Today I sow. Today I plant. My time has not yet come. And then when it was his time, he knew it was his time. 
And he did what he did. Again, what I just said, all along, and he surrendered until everything about his times and seasons reached the fullness of completion. It is finished, he said. It is finished. I did it. Finish, fight the good fight of faith. Finish your race, not my race. Finish your race. It's a beautiful race. It's a beautiful race. Wrestle with the places of faith or whatever it is that needs to be wrestled with. But, but do it. And remember that no matter how small it may seem to you, the significance of sowing in Jesus yields eternal fruit. In John 15, he says, abide in me. This is the key to bearing fruit. This is the key to harvest. This is the key to growth. And he says three things repeatedly. Remain in me. Remain in my words. Remain in my love. Because it's what he did with his father. He remained with his father. He remained with the words that his father said to him, right? And he remained in the, in the love of his father. That was the key to the harvest, the fullness of harvest of Jesus' life. That's it. Abide in me, and then you will bear much fruit, fruit that will remain, meaning it won't die. This is incorruptible seed, it says in 1 Peter. Incorruptible, indestructible seed of the kingdom is inside of you. And when we cast that seed in every season, whether it's with an encouraging word, or whether it's the simplicity of a hug, or if it's preaching a sermon, when I surrender this sermon to Jesus, this is your seed. I will throw it out on the ground. It's going to yield harvest because I'm abiding in you. I don't have to work it up out of my flesh. I'm just abiding in Christ here. Then there will be fruit from this, I believe, for all of eternity that I won't even know about. It's the same way with the apostles, remember? So that letter was to Timothy, and now it's impacting all of us. Now, I'm not saying that what we do is going to be, the Bible's done, y'all. We're not adding to it, and we're not taking it away. What I'm saying is it's the principle of the eternal fruit. What God does doesn't die. There is no death in him. He has nothing to do with death. So when he gives us something and we give it away, it won't die, even though you don't see the full fruit of it yet. Okay, I would like to play that video. Can you do that? Do I need to go to that slide? And we're going to land it, and Steve, you're going to come and help me. One more, One more time. Thank you, Steve. Well, the I Have a Dream, dream speech is actually birthed out of intercession. Did y'all know that? The I Have a Dream speech was actually wasn't called the I Have a Dream speech. I think it was called something like uh, America's Broken Contract with Black America. But it became the I Have a Dream speech early on because Dr. King was in a prayer meeting with some young people at a church that had been burned down by the Ku Klux Klan. And a 22-year-old girl named Prathia Hall is praying. How would you like to have the name Prathia? Her daddy was a Baptist preacher, black Baptist preacher, named his daughter after prayer. So Prathia is praying, and while she's praying, in the middle of this, the ashes that hatred had created, she's praying, and she says, I have a dream. And she starts naming off her own list of things. So Dr. King, when they were taken to the airport, Dr. King said, young lady, that little phrase you use was powerful. You mind if I borrow that? She said, yes, sir, by all means. So Dr. King incorporated the phrase, I have a dream, into his prayer life for over a year. He, that was his prayer. So he 
Because he's interceding what? For the next generation. Because he's heard the cry of the next generation right even before him. But so he becomes an intercessor for the next generation. And so he would use that. And his friend, Mahalia Jackson, she heard him use that phrase. But his speechwriters, they're like, you know, doctor, I have a dream stuff. It's too cliche. When you do your speech in Washington, why don't you leave that out? Can you imagine that not being part of the speech? And so reluctantly, he agreed. But if you get the right version of the I have a dream speech, you'll hear Dr. King. And he's reading the speech verbatim. But when he gets to the end, you can hear somebody say, Martin, tell him about the dream. That was Mahalia Jackson. Then he kicks in the I have a dream. And the rest is history. All because he overheard somebody else in the prayer meeting. Question. Yeah, isn't that powerful? Whoo! I, Will Ford is a beautiful friend of this house, and to Stephen Marcy, he and his wife, to Hovland Ford, honor them completely. This whole, he has this on his social media pages, if you want to hear his whole teaching here. This is about intercession. But when I saw this, it's like, this is what, this is illustrating what's burning in my heart right now, is that one woman, 22-year-old, shows at a prayer meeting, burned down by the Ku Klux Klan, but it's her field. It's her place, her area of authority. And she didn't just say, like, praise God, this woman actually believed her prayer mattered. Because some of you have been assaulted in that place of, oh, prayer does nothing. No. Prayer is the words and life of God going forth, changing things. So she's sitting there and she prophesies, she prays out, the I have a dream. And as he said, she's listing off the stuff that she's seeing with Christ in her area of authority. I know this is my circumstance. I know this is where I'm at right now. But I know there's a dream because she, she, he was greater. The name of Jesus was greater than the name of the Ku Klux Klan. And praise God, Martin Luther King, I mean, isn't just such an amazing man that he caught the seed of heaven. And it was in a good field, Right? And he cultivated a seed for a year, just those words. And, uh, you know, I, I, love, I love how they, you know, the speechwriters, that's kind of cheesy. It's not cheesy when the breath of heaven is on it. And so one girl, and also the mother in the faith there that said, tell them about the dream. You mothers and fathers and leaders that are carrying these words and are reminding, just the reminder galvanized of movement and has now marked all of us the I have a dream speech but it started with a seed and it's time right now for you in a fresh and new way to recognize the power of the incorruptible seed of Jesus could someone come up on keys that is inside of you you are not dead you are alive and your life carries a DNA, a seed that I do not carry, but your field, your place of authority, your work everywhere, it is crying out for the seed of heaven. Because without it, what does the Holy Spirit cause growth? Commissioning just means I am with him. I'm co-laboring with Christ. I'm not doing it on my own. By faith, with Jesus, and surrender to the Father, I'm just casting out my seed. I'm just casting it out by faith. And I trust you to cause growth and to cause harvest. Amen. Steve, go ahead and come up. I, this one passage I, I kept going back to, John 21, 21, where it says it's the, 
the story about where Jesus reinstates Peter and Peter screwed up. He denied Jesus. And I think there was a real risk he wasn't going to stay involved in his field anymore, that he was going to bow out. And Jesus reinstates to him who he is, who Jesus was, and what his assignment was. And when they had asked, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, like he just keeps calling him by name over and over, do you love me more than these? He needed Peter to engage with his faith again, to, to come out of what was the previous season of defeat into the season of victory. Yes, Lord, Peter replies, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs, go work in the fields. He keeps saying it, Simon, son of John, Simon, son of John, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And at the end of this encounter, what is emphatically clear is that Peter now has entered into yet another revelation of who he is, who Jesus is, and that he loves Jesus. And from the simplicity of that, I'll go and feed lambs. I'll go feed sheep. I won't disqualify myself from the field. I'll accept it. And there's just something with that today. And Steve's just going to help me. <laughs> you don't really need any help. But I'm here. There's a grace in the house right now. But why don't we stand? There's a grace to consecrate ourselves. It's not something that we can even make happen. It takes the grace of God for us to yield to God. For us to see the open door in front of us. And it's been building for these last several weeks. And there's a scripture in Joshua 3 verse 5. It says, consecrate yourselves to the Lord. For tomorrow he will do wonders among you. And I just feel this call today. That we can't rely on the consecration that we, we did in the past. There are things that need to be consecrated now because our lives have changed. I can't rely on the consecration of the first time I came to Jesus. I'm not, I, when I was eight years old, I'm not going to lose my salvation. But there are things I've got to consecrate and lay down to Him today. And so I'm just, this altar is open. And our coming forward today is saying, Lord, I'm laying it down. I'm yielding to the will of the Father. Your will be done in my life. And I had this picture as Nikki was preaching earlier. I saw myself giving the Lord the passwords to my bank accounts. Giving Him passwords of things in my life. It was like a fresh yielding. I can't rely on that I yielded it two years ago. Things have changed. Circumstances have changed. God takes us to new places. They're new fields. And so right now, Father, we just come and we just consecrate our lives to you in this moment. And thank you for this gift, Lord, that you have opened up to us this morning. For the honor of consecrating our lives afresh to you. Father, not my will but your will be done in each of our lives in this house God here we are we consecrate our lives afresh
to you in this moment. Thank you, God. Yes. Yeah, I just see him just washing away, like, as you're saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I despise the life you gave me. He's washing away self-hatred. He's washing that away. You're a del- dearly beloved son in whom he's well pleased. You're a dearly beloved daughter in whom he's well pleased. But I messed up or I haven't been perfect. Your performance did not demand his love. He gave his life just to love you. So let him love you right now. And I just see some like place where you've been disappointed in your field. You're like, I've been faithful with my family. Can you just comfort your heart? Let the Holy Spirit comfort you. Wash away the disappointments. Wash away places of pain. Wash away places of disillusionment, Lord. Let them hear the song of heaven again singing over their appointed times and seasons. And now, Lord, we just look at you, Father. You're such a good Father. We will never regret saying yes to you. When we look back on our lives just as I have now, like, well, we, it was better than what I could have hoped for. It was better than my plans. It was better than what I saw because you're better. You're so much better. And you have a good plan for me, and you have a good plan for my family and you have a good plan for my work and you have a good plan for these schools and you have good plans for businesses in this city every area where every life is touches lord every field you have good plans the kingdom of heaven is here so let your kingdom come let your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven and give to each one of us our daily bread forgive us as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into tempting places, Lord. Deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. We say yes to you, Jesus. We say yes. We say yes. Steve was just reminding me, yeah, oh, oh my gosh, like he's literally cutting off the fear of missing out. It's actually been a demonic spirit lying to you. I see it like it's like literally been a noose around you, just yanking you around, yanking you. And Jesus is like, no more. And so if that's been you, just, just, I, just with your hand, just, just say no and just cut that thing off. And I just say, you spirit, you lying spirit, you've been lying to the children of God. They cannot miss out in the kingdom. I just want to remind you, like Satan became Satan because he thought he was missing out and he left the most glorious place ever. He chose his own wisdom. He chose his own way. And he forever will never get it back. It's not your destiny as a son or daughter. We are the surrendered ones. And I just hear him like he was with Peter. I just hear him calling people's names right now. Do you love me? Do you love me? It's not complicated. You don't 
we don't produce our own consecration. We surrender to Him. And we are never disqualified from His will. Ever. Not ever. And I feel like He's restoring that right now. Just like He did with Peter. That Peter, you're not disqualified from my will. Do you love me? And He just made it simple. Do you love me? It's just the surrender. He's just asking for the surrender. We're not responsible to accomplish the work. We are to surrender to the assignment. And this is consecration. That's what this is. We surrender to the will of the Father. And he's speaking and restoring identity right now. And he's restoring this thing that we have believed that we were disqualified from his will. And he's saying right now, do you love me? Then you're qualified. my love for Jesus is perfect like he deserves so much you know and sometimes I'll talk with him about that I do love you Jesus I feel like I could love you more and he he's so he's so precious in the sense that he just wants me and he was like Nikki are you giving me your heart yes are you saying yes to me yes then you love me it's really it's really simple it's not a checklist. It's it's a heart. It's a heart posture before him. And the places that we need to grow, remember, he's causing the growth. He's causing the growth. Yeah, because we don't fix our own hearts. He wants our heart, our broken heart our hard heart our discouraged heart our disappointed heart our disillusioned heart our cynical heart our bitter heart whatever kind of heart we have he wants it we don't fix our own hearts we give our hearts to him we love because he first loved us it all comes from him it all comes from him
we bring our ashes. You want our ashes, Lord. You want our worst moments. You want the places that are broken. That's the offering that you want. You just want it all. You want our disappointments. You want our moments of doubt. You want our fears. You want the areas where we're so aware of our lack. And you call it consecration, Lord, as we yield all of that to you because you're a holy God. And Lord, we can't make holy, only you can. Holy is who you say we are. So thank you, Lord. Thank you. Just in that place of surrender, as Steve was saying that in this whole time, like it was only in that place of surrender, I saw the fresh wind of heaven blowing. Oh, it was just blowing. And I heard words, prophetic words coming, coming back into remembrance. And I just see like today, because today's what we've got, right? But today and the next day, you're going to say that prayer. You're going to speak those words of life. You're going to offer love to the person. You're gonna feed sheep and lambs. And you're gonna do it with awe and wonder. This is, this is what I was made for. And it's a good life. Oh, yeah, I, I, Jesus is like literally, like there's some of you, if you're feeling fire in your heart right now, like the beginning to burn, it's Jesus with you saying, let's go together. We can do this together. Step by step. The Lord is my shepherd. He's shepherding. Yeah, so thank you, Lord, for fresh grace of boldness, courage, seed for the sower, and bread for their food. May you multiply and increase their harvest of righteousness. I love that about, oh, today it's adult, okay, adult prophetic teams. Uh, Lord, we rise up in this place, and we thank you today that you're a faithful and good God. We thank you for the, with the consecration, Lord, we thank you for a future and a hope over your life. And I declare that over you, that you leave this room today with fresh hope. You leave this room today smiling at the future, at the will of the Father that is going to be done in your life. That is going to be better than any way you ever would have done it. That He is good over your past. And I declare that Psalm 16 over you, that your inheritance is beautiful. And that you will delight in your inheritance that the boundary lines the Father has given to you are good. 
And I bless you to prosper in those boundaries. I bless you to love well in those boundaries. I bless you to plant seed and to not hold back out of any fear, but to give the unending love of the Father flowing through your life. And so, Lord, we thank you that with this consecration, there's a fresh sending that is on us also in this season. And we say yes to your commissioning that we go from here to love. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you that we live in the will of the Father. I just want us to say that I live in the will of the Father. I live in the will of the Father. Yes. So we're going to ask our prophetic teams to come on up here. And these guys are here to prophesy. We're going to just continue to flow and worship in this place. If you want someone to release a word over you, you awesome. Bless you. Bless you. The altars here are still open if you want to come and pray. Bless you as you go. In Jesus' name.